0: Hi and welcome to Being Lutheran, a podcast dedicated to proclaiming the excellencies of Jesus Christ and the biblical theology expressed in the Lutheran Confessions. Today, Pastor Jason Goodham, Pastor Brett Bowe, and Pastor Adam Osher continue their discussion on Article 25 of the Augsburg Confession, looking at an Old Testament passage and its application. Being Lutheran is sponsored by the Free Lutheran Bible College and Seminary in Plymouth, Minnesota. Whatever your vocation, start here, go anywhere grounded in God's Word.
1: Welcome to the Being Lutheran Podcast. I am Pastor Brett Bowe and I'm joined by Pastor Jason Goodham and Pastor Adam Osier. Alright, welcome back to this episode where we're looking at an Old Testament passage as is our custom as we're walking through the Augsburg Confession and its Apology. Uh, today we're we're continuing our discussion on Article 25 on Confession. We've had some great um, conversations about that and uh, yeah, we're moving into uh, talking about Daniel 9. We, we talked about the second For half completely of, yeah, different yeah, right. reasons than you <laughs> might think. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, we've, we've discussed uh, Dan, the second half of Daniel 9 in, in a different conversation, but... Um, yeah, Jason, tell us uh, you, you, your reasoning for this text today.
2: All right, well, it has nothing and everything to do with eschatology. So uh, the big thing about Daniel 9, most people who know Daniel 9 know Daniel 9, 20 through 27. It's the whole yep. weeks of weeks passage, and, and it, it's typically taken by dispensational premillennialists completely out of context as if it's its own entirely separate section of Scripture, um, laying out the end times before... The millennium and Christ returns and everything. The problem with that is that Daniel 9, 20 through 27 falls into some pretty important context in the book of Daniel, and that's what we're going to step in and talk about today. Daniel 9, 1 through 19 is Daniel's confession of sin both for himself and his people. And if you're ever doing a Bible study on Daniel 9, 20 through 27, you need to make sure you connect those eight verses with the previous 19, because otherwise you're going to completely miss what Daniel's talking about. So Daniel spends these 19 verses confessing his sins before the Lord, confessing the sins of his people before the Lord, begging for forgiveness. And then God sends a messenger and says, okay, your sins are going to, your sins are forgiven. And here's how I'm going to accomplish it. And that's what Daniel 9, 20 through 27 there. And it makes for a perfect discussion of what confession and absolution actually look like. Now, from a Lutheran perspective, the forgiveness of sins is entirely an eschatological topic because it involves eternity it involves why we can experience eternity in fellowship with God, because without the forgiveness of sins, there is no communion with God. But it's not the way normal people think about end times theology, and it's not that fantastical, over dramatic Nikolai Carpathian, Nikolai Carpathia <laughs> meets Nicolas Cage meets Kirk Cameron Ooh. sort of a nonsense. But it could. It could. <laughs> and, you know, I, mean, uh, I am not ruling out the possibility uh, yeah, that at some right. point in time, Nicolas Cage, uh, Kirk Cameron, and Nikolai Carpathia might be in the same room at some point in time. That's not what I'm talking about. <laughs> or at all. confess their
3: sins together. Or, I mean, we don't, know. We, 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 we we don't yeah, even know. Yeah. We
2: yeah. would pray that they all would confess their sins. And I don't even know if an, a Nikolai Carpathia has ever existed outside of the mind of Jerry Jenkins and Tim LaHaye. <laughs> Maybe not. I, you know those books,
3: man. Oh, well, let's not get into yeah, that. Yeah, right, I, right. they were a big yeah. part of my childhood, actually, yeah. and yep. a t- uh, mine too. Yep. a major shift for me as I as I turned to a different end time uh, kind of a paradigm. So anyway, Brett, mm-hmm. there's some Bible to read, isn't there? <laughs> yeah,
1: I, it's a lot. I mean, yeah, we, I,
3: we better start so we can yeah get, we could rec- get through the whole reading. <laughs> Most of this least. episode
1: will be me reading Daniel. Why don't Daniel. you yeah. read just for
2: for? Um, Brevity's yeah. sake. Read the whole thing. I don't think. Sure. We'll okay. Never mind. Yeah, that's yeah. fine.
1: And no, and I I like your point, Jason, too. Of uh, this sets up. That section at the end, uh, which really the answer is Jesus. Uh, yeah. Jesus is well, the I'm, answer to the uh, the prayer of confession here. One last pot shot at end
2: times alarmism. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, I haven't had enough. Yeah, no, it's, it's, like a, it's like an addiction for me. Once you get going, it's hard to stop. But if you are doing a study on Daniel 9, 20 through 27, it's a prepackaged, a video study, whatever, and there is no mention of Daniel nine one through nineteen, run away, is there get, get out of there as fast as possible. It's run away.
3: A pr- probably a pretty good word. Yeah, Yep. Can we read through twenty right. three? Is that what yeah. can we? Uh, we can get into the seventy weeks or whatever too. But let's just read the whole book of Daniel. <laughs> Okay. <laughs> I love that. I love that idea. Go All ahead, right, Brad. not I'm sure what Crossway and ESV yeah. would do about that, but right.
1: yeah. All right. Uh, this is the word of the Lord here. In the first year of Darius, the son of Ahasuerus. How do you say that? Ahasuerus. Ahasuerus. There we go. Usually don't. Uh, yeah. Anyway. By descent of Amid, who was made king over the realm of the Chaldeans. In the first year of his reign, I, Daniel, perceived in the books the number of years that according to the word of the Lord to Jeremiah the prophet, must pass before the end of the desolations of Jerusalem, namely 70 years. Then I turned my face to the Lord God, seeking him by prayer and pleas for mercy with fasting and sackcloth and ashes. I prayed to the Lord my God and made confession, saying, O Lord, the great and awesome God, who keeps covenant and steadfast love with those who love him and keep his commandments. We have sinned and done what is done wrong and acted wickedly and rebelled, turning aside from your commandment and rules. We have not listened to your servants, the prophets, who spoke commandments, uh, who spoke in your name to our kings, our princes, and our fathers, and to all the people of the land. To you, O Lord, belongs righteousness, but to us open shame. As at this day, to the men of Judah, to the inhabitants of Jerusalem, and to all Israel, those who are near, near and those who are far away, In all the lands to which you have driven them, because of the treachery that they have committed against you. To us, O Lord, belongs open shame, to our kings, our princes, and to our fathers, because we have sinned against you. To the Lord our God belong mercy and forgiveness. For we have rebelled against him, and have not obeyed the voice of the Lord our God by walking in his laws, which he set before us by his servants the prophets. All Israel has transgressed your law and turned aside, refusing to obey your voice. And the curse and oath that are written in the law of Moses, the servant of God, have been poured out upon us because we have sinned against him. He has confirmed his words which he spoke against us and against our rulers who ruled us by bringing upon us a great calamity, for. For under the whole heaven there has not been done anything like that, what has been done against Jerusalem. As it is written in the law of Moses, all this calamity has come upon us, yet we have not entreated the favor of the Lord our God, turning from our iniquity and gaining insight by your truth. Therefore the Lord has kept ready for calamity and has brought it upon us. For the Lord our God is righteous in all the works that he has done, and we have not obeyed his voice. And now, O Lord, our God, who brought your people out of the land of Egypt with a mighty hand and have made a name for yourself, as at that this day we have sinned, we have done wickedly. O Lord, according to all your righteousness, righteous acts, let your anger and your wrath turn away from your city, Jerusalem, your holy hill, because for our sins and for the iniquities of our fathers, Jerusalem and your people have become a byword among all who are around us. Now therefore, o, Lord, o our God, listen to the prayer of your servant and to his pleas for mercy and for your own sake, O Lord, make your face to shine upon your sanctuary which, which is desolate. Uh, I'll read. I think Adam said through verse 23 While I was speaking and praying, confessing my sin and the sin of my people Israel, and presenting my plea before the Lord my God for the holy hill of my God, while I was speaking in prayer, the man Gabriel, whom I had seen in the vision at first, came to me in swift flight at the time of the evening sacrifice. He made me understand, speaking with me and saying, Oh Daniel, I have now come out to give you insight and understanding. At the beginning of your pleas for mercy, a word went out, and I have come to tell it to you, for you are greatly loved. Therefore, consider the word and understand the vision. Here ends the reading. Right. Amen. And the Amen. next four verses are Jesus, 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 Jesus.
3: <laughs> so you get it. Uh,
2: uh, but, I mean, what... An amazing prayer. And and what a rich sect. I I still can't get over this phrase. Uh, And and it's a good launching point for us to talk about confession and absolution. Uh, To us, O Lord, (laughs) belongs open shame. Yeah. My goodness, is that a powerful image of the confession of sins. Yeah.
1: Yeah, it strikes me. How uh, he he uses the we we and us here yeah. in this prayer, you know. Daniel's a, he, I mean, if you're ranking him in terms of like personal piety, uh you know, pretty he's, high on the he's list. He's pretty high on the list. You know, it, he has every right to say, you know, everybody else has sinned, but. He lumps himself together in this. Well, he does it with the wheeze, but then he doubles down in verse 20 and says, when I was speaking
2: and praying, confessing my sin and the sin of my people. It is never a matter of, I better step in for these people before they get us all destroyed. It's always a matter of, I am a part of this.
3: Yep. Mm Yep. You know, you know. It, it, interesting, the prophets are often like that. You yeah. know, it talks about, right. you know, they call other people out, but then own it own it for themselves. So yep. back it's like that. Yep. Except for Jonah. Yeah, <laughs> except for Jonah. <laughs> well, 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 Jonah yeah. confesses his, his sin. His own sin, he, he yeah. He still
2: doesn't want Nineveh right. to
3: be forgiven. Well, <laughs> yeah, he had some issues, don't we all? But he does confess his sin, you know, and yep. there's a, a beautiful prayer of confession, too, in, in the belly of a whale. Yeah. So, I mean, he, he does, and that, that idea of owning, owning one's sin and calling it what it is. It's not like, "Yeah, I kind of I kind of messed up on that one. You know, I fudged on the rules." But no, it's it's like to us belongs open shame. That's what sin is. When the law does its work, that's that's exactly where we should be. Yeah, that's the outcome of the law in its purest
2: sense. Yeah is to leave us, uh, you know, we, we were at a chapel service earlier today, Adam, and to, to leave our mouths silent before the Lord. That's what the law does. That's Romans three mm-hmm. language. And we're, we're left with nothing to do, but to admit that God is right.
3: Yeah. Yeah. The law, you know, shuts. I like that, that every mouth may be stopped. Just, and I say this when I'm teaching Romans to the kids, Romans 319, right? Just just shut up now. No. You have nothing more to say. There's nothing you can say. And Paul shut spends the amper. entirety of, of Romans one amper. eighteen all yeah. the way through, you know, the, righteous, or the wrath of God being revealed. Uh, he spends that entire stretch of time all the way to basically Romans 319 saying, you're not okay. You're not okay. It's like Oprah, only anti-Oprah. You don't get anything. <laughs> (laughs) You know, you don't get get any righteousness. You You don't don't get get any righteousness. (laughs) Nobody, nobody's earned any righteousness. You know, and then all of a sudden, we we hear the gospel, and that's exactly you know what we see here too. And that's why I wanted you to read those last those last four verses because uh, that's the answer. And then the the what you know how that comes about, of course, is the seventy weeks and the prophecy of Christ and, and, and that sort of thing. But at the end of the day, God hears. When we come mm-hmm. in that brokenness, it's in, the, in the state in which we should be most fearful of coming before a holy God, that's exactly when he invites us. He says, come on, bring the garbage, bring your filth, bring your shame, come here. I have a solution for you. And that solution is Christ. I I just think this is a beautiful picture of that.
2: I was fairly certain you wanted Brett to continue through verse 24 because you really only wanted to come up with 10 more minutes of podcast material.
3: That's... uh, that's, (laughs) I do occasionally have a spiritual intent (laughs) and a good purpose for my... Not entirely selfish.
2: So tying this back to the practice of confession and absolution, I mean, obviously Daniel has confessed. We've talked about that. But where, where I always address this to people who aren't familiar with the practice or even the idea of confession and absolution is we have to answer the question. As sinners, why on earth would we ever admit to sin before a holy, righteous perfect God who has promised nothing but wrath and anger towards sin. Why would we do that? And in fact, we see the opposite of that in, in, in society all the time, is people refuse to admit they're evil, that they blame others for it, or they make it to be not evil because there's a, if I admit that I screwed up, I have to deal with the consequences. So why on earth would I ever admit before to the God of the universe that I've failed?
3: Yeah. Mm. Well, that's a good question. But what is the answer?
2: The answer is the line right after that. To us, O Lord, there belongs open shame. Yep. yep. But to you, our, the Lord, our God, belong mercy
3: and forgiveness. Yep. And seeing a God that can do that. That's exactly why we can admit. It's Adam and Eve even in the garden, right? Yep. You know, the very first sin. It's like they're ashamed, so they hide and they're naked. Yep. And, and God, hey, where are you guys? You know, like like God didn't know, right? You know, yeah. It's almost like, you know, playing hide and seek and they were really good at hiding. No, no it's like, <laughs> where are you? Uh, we were ashamed and we were naked, so we hid. Yep. Who told you you were naked? Yes, you're naked. Of course you're naked, but but who told you you're yep. naked? He he does that, but it's working to the end that he wants to forgive. He wants to clothe as. He does them. He clothes them, of course, in that in that passage, literally. But as it points forward to the to the clothing of righteousness that comes from Christ. Yeah, Adam and Eve are good at hide and seek.
2: Like an eighteen month old is good at hide and seek when he covers his <laughs> eyes. You yeah. can't see me. Uh, yeah. The cute. the answer to why we confess is because we have the expectation because he's told us that God will be merciful and gracious to us. That's why we confess, which if that's the starting point for confession and absolution, it already and immediately upends the concept of satisfaction. Right? If if I confess to my sins and then I have to do something to make God happy with me, yeah. then... You're right back at the beginning. You're right back at the beginning. You've, you've done on your own, you've done an end run around God's grace and mercy and compassion. Daniel confesses his sins and the sins of his people, which, by the way, are so bad that God has torn them physically out of the promised land and put them in a pagan land to get their attention. I mean, this is that you know. This is not your typical milk and cookies sin going on here. This is <laughs> some some really serious. Yeah. And, and Daniel is willing to approach God because he expects that God will be gracious and merciful. Now, you said something, Adam, in show prep that I think we should tie all this together as we yeah. were debating what passage to do. The place we really want to go back for Daniel's confession is when Solomon is dedicating the temple in 1 Kings 8 and 9, mm-hmm. because that's where we get the promise. And so in 1 Kings 8 and 9, Solomon prays, and this is the Jason Goodham paraphrase edition, which is a few steps even beyond the message. You know, Solomon prays, hey God, if your people happen to screw up and act like idiots, and then they come to their senses will you hear their prayer and forgive their sins? That's the summary of that like 53 verse chapter. Yeah. And God says, yeah, if they pray to my name in this temple where I have revealed myself to be, then behold, I will hear and forgive their sins. That's like 1 Kings 9, 3 or 4, somewhere in there, right? What do we do now when we confess? We go to the promise. If we confess our sins, God is faithful and just to forgive our sins. How do we know? Because we can point to the place where it happened. We can point to the place where that deliverance occurred. Just like Daniel could with the dedication of the temple, we can go to the cross and point there. Right there is when the promise of God forgiving my sins became reality. And he delivers that promise through his word yep. over and over and over. He delivers that promise in the sacraments over and over and over again.
3: Yeah, I mean, sum, summarizing that, I mean, we go, we come, we can because he invites us. Yeah, because he has made a promise huh. and he's made a way. You know. You know when you talk about being faithful, he's faithful and just to forgive our sins. You know, that, that whole idea, he's right to do it because of his own satisfaction, what he has paid for, and he's faithful. He's going to do it. He, he's going to keep his promise when he says he, he's going to keep his promise and that he is okay keeping that promise because he's made, made all the way possible, I mean, made the whole path forward possible. We gotta trust him at his word, and that's exactly what Daniel's doing. He's trusting the promise of Christ. He's he, tru- tru- trusting the promise of God. Ultimately, the picture of Christ and
2: that he's made it. That's Hebrews four fourteen through sixteen language mm-hmm. right there. Right, that we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who has been tempted in every way that we have, yet without sin. Uh, he's opened the throne room of heaven. Let us therefore approach the throne of grace with confidence, so that we can receive mercy and find grace in time of need. What time do we need grace and mercy more? than when we confess our sins. Yeah. That's the promise of the absolution.
3: Yeah.
1: Right. And, and, you know, the thing that's that's kind of sticking in my mind here, too, is, you know, that line you mentioned, Jason, about open shame. Yeah. And, you know, I, I'm thinking about our listeners and, and ourselves, too. Uh, when we sin, especially after we've been walking in faith for a long time, uh, we feel a lot of shame for our sin. And uh, that's that's a perfect opportunity to uh, to come to to and I think Daniel nine, you know, it's there's a lot of words here uh, that he's sharing, and you know, a simple confession is is okay too. But this is a great example of it's okay as as well to lay out uh, a little bit longer. I've sinned against you, and we've sinned against you in these ways. Um, yeah, and so I, I just appreciate how the Lord meets. Daniel in his shame, and and uh, and the Lord will meet us in, in our shame,
3: uh, too, uh, and and the guilt that we feel. Yep think about that like a, a position where you felt shame where you have been completely ashamed in front of I airballed a free throw once right and I was embarrassed in the in the target center no less where the Timberwolves play well, but, well stop qualification for everyone listening who doesn't know I was not
2: was playing like, for the Timberwolves no Jason, there was like yes. 12 other people in the building when you did it
3: <laughs> but it was one of those moments as a basketball now, player I, I know, that you were supposed to be your shame. <laughs> yeah. and and I airballed a free throw and the other school. There were more than 12 because all the airball chants were, were loud enough to be heard out on the floor. All that to say, okay, we think of shame. Think about the moments of shame and the embarrassment that that feels. And that's what he's talking about. And, and I think of this moment. I think of like when you're caught in sin, I think of the, and, and I realize, well, we're not going to go into this now, but the John, I think it's the end of chapter seven, chapter eight, uh, beginning of chapter eight, the woman caught in adultery and she's brought before Jesus, right? And and they're like caught this woman in the very act, right? Meaning that he's probably I mean they've probably brought her before him in the in the very act of adultery in the the state of undress that that would be in a bring it'd be like dragging somebody into church in that particular thing and all of these religious folks get to gawk at her and and may, and that is exactly where Jesus extends his grace to her, Yep. right? Uh, and it's interesting how in that moment, in, in, and I realize there's just some textual issues there and whatnot, but in that very moment, when Jesus is saying that, and it says he wrote in the sand, and, and we, we don't know what he wrote in the sand, but he you know, assuming... You know, a lot of a lot of uh, renditions or that he wrote the law, <laughs> and as everybody hears without sin, cast a first stone, and, and start to realize, okay, so what we're experiencing or what we're seeing, we cut this woman; she's you know shameful dis, disdain uh, upon her. That's mine too. That's that that's the shame that belongs to me. And they walked away, and they laid their stones down because they recognized that's my shame. It's that bring the point, and then and then looking around, seeing nobody but Jesus was still there. Right. Yeah. Let He who is without sin. Yeah. And then, and he, then he doesn't cast. She looks. Up, who has condemned you? No one. Yeah. Right. Uh, that there. That that whole picture of the gospel right there. It's this. Is Jesus is still there after this disgusting mess of shame and in you, and your you know called out in the very act and here He is saying, you know, he, here He is present. Your sins are forgiven.
2: Yeah. To to end, I want to go back to something you said, Brett, because it triggered something in my mind. You know, you said when you've been a Christian for a while mm-hmm. and come under the conviction of sin, <laughs> it, it, yeah. it feels so bad. It, it reminds me that during the height of the, the societal meltdown that we experienced that was the COVID-19 pandemic, when we're all living at home and yelling at each other online, uh, the common phrase, when, when, especially when all of the politicization, politicization ramped up, people would keep saying, we're better than this. We're better than this. We're yeah. better than this. I preached a sermon on that and used that as an illustration. The fact of that is we're not better than this. And that's one of the traps of Christianity is that we always have an overly indulgent sense of our own yeah. righteousness. Yep. As a Christian... No matter how long you've been a Christian, your righteousness is still an alien righteousness. It is righteousness that you possess. It is righteousness that you have, but it is not righteousness that you have created. And that should be enough to tell us that we should confess our sins. Because if God has given it to us once, he'll continue to give it to us. It, 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 mm-hmm. we, we do Amen. not have any right Amen. as sinners to play the we should know better card yep. when it comes to our sin because we're sinners. That's what sinners do. That's not to say we're not all drooling barbarians just you know, doing whatever we want, but it's to make sure that we do not become overconfident in our own
1: created righteousness. Yep. Well said. Well said. Maybe that's a good place to
3: uh, end here. Unless Adam, did you have anything else to share? Yep. It, I, I think a good a good verse to close with is is verse twenty three. So what was the word of absolution that he heard? You he confessed At the beginning of your pleas for mercy. Gabriel says to Daniel, "For uh, a word went out, and I've come to tell it to you. You are greatly loved." And, and that is, yeah. you know, the assurance that we have when we hear our sins are forgiven. We know that we're loved by the God who paid for that sin through his Son on the cross. Amen.
0: Amen. Thank you for joining us. Please look us up on the web at beinglutheran.com. Also invite a friend to check us out on Spotify and iTunes. Listeners are invited to the Fall Spotlight Conference at the Free Lutheran Bible College and Seminary in Plymouth, Minnesota on October 9th and 10th. Guests will learn from Megan Ullman of Life Training Institute how to defend a pro-life view persuasively and graciously as we navigate a post-row world. Registration and live stream information are available at flbc.edu. God bless you and have a great week.